Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Maybe we'll hold our standards for like the average kind of small thing, but when we really want something, we'll start to use words like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. Nah, it's, it's not really big. You know, this last week, I started this workout regimen, this health regimen. And that wasn't the joke. So I started working out. And, 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 the, and this workout, because, you know, everyone's got their New Year's resolution. So everyone at the count of three, tell me yours, and I'm going to laugh at you, right? No, I'm just kidding. Now, so I, I, I used to really be healthy and had, like, all these great regiments. And so I, I was looking for something to really get back into it. And for me, I'm kind of like all or nothing type of dude. So I found this thing that was 75 days of intensive workouts and eating regimens, and you can not cheat. If you cheat, you start over again from the beginning. So I started this thing. I'm like, okay, because I, I mean, I ran marathons. I've done half marathons. So I put a half marathon in the books, April 10th. I'm going back to run this marathon. I got to start getting healthy. And right now I'm barely trotting at three miles. So I said, all right, we got to start doing something. And this thing was amazing because I, I knew that if I got back into my health and wellness, it was my happiest of times. I woke up in the morning knowing I had to work out. I was excited for my day because I knew I had something to do. Like, I know you're like, what is wrong with you, right? It's, it's how God made me forgive me. But, but I, I really love it. But what happened over the course of the years is I used to start to say, ah, oh, it's no big deal. I mean, what's just two servings of potato chips with a little bit of dip? To what's a big deal to an entire bag of chips and an entire tub of dip? To I just don't care. And, and what happened over time, here I went from this extremely disciplined marathon runner to barely able to get up in the morning and eating an entire bag of chips because it's no big deal. It started with this really small compromise of, I'm too tired, I don't want to get up today, that led to, I've worked really hard, I don't want to do that today, that led to these little compromises over and over and over again. So let me see if you have some of these excuses that I have. I have worked a lot this week. I've worked a lot this week. You don't understand, Jason, I've put in 80 hours, I'm tired, like I just need some me time. How about your kids' schedules? My kids are literally going in different directions all the time. As soon as I drop one kid off, I'm picking this kid up. There's no time for me in a day. You don't understand, Jason. I am totally busy. And then let's add sickness to it. Like, oh, I, I got sick. Like, so I got sick, and then I kind of let go of some certain standards, and then I was like, oh, I didn't feel good, and all of a sudden, here I am back to out of disciplines. One of my favorites, uh, when I looked at this 75 days, it's my birthday in January. So I looked at 75 days and said, okay, this looks awesome. 75 days, I'm all in except for my birthday because at that day, I'm going to eat as many chicken wings as God can provide for me. Like, <laughs> like that day doesn't count. But as I look through the, per the program, if you miss one day, one element, you start over again. I looked at it and I said, okay, do I really want to do this? Because now I look at our table of treats. Like, y'all know you made way too many cookies 
and too many sweet deliciousness, and they're still sitting around just staring at you. But at the same time, I stepped on the scale, and that was staring at me. And I, and I had these conflicting voices. I have cookies, scale, cookies, scale. And I had to make a decision. Am I willing? Because the truth of this, and as you go into these programs, and maybe you're not a health and wellness nut, there's always an excuse. There's always something. If it's not a birthday, it's a holiday. If it's not that, it's Valentine's Day. Well, i got to go for Valentine's Day. We're always celebrating something all the time. And what we find, no matter what you get disciplined in, whatever you want to call yourself to, you're always going to have an excuse inside of your mind. A small compromise. A small little something. Those little voices that lead you away from your goal. And if you've ever set a goal, and if you've ever been disciplined in anything, no matter what it is, when you break away from your discipline, no matter what it is, you know that you become unhappy. But that unhappy then feeds itself with more unhappy, and you just feed yourself, and then one day you wake up and you say, how did I get here? That is the number one statement I hear in my office for counseling. Jason, I don't know how I got here. But it wasn't from usually one monster mistake. It usually comes 99% of the time from one little compromise to the next compromise to the next compromise that leads all the way down the road to now disaster. Compromises break us. But you don't understand. Like, you don't understand my life, Jason, because you don't understand that my husband doesn't listen to me. I am all the time working with my kids. My husband doesn't pay attention to me. And there's this really nice guy at my job who sends really encouraging emails. He's the one who says, great job, and gives me a little too long extra pat on the back at work. It feels good. It's encouraging. Compromise. You don't understand this. My boss has it out for me. And like, I'm working all the time, and my boss hates me. Let me transfer it to all of you students in the room. My teacher hates me. I don't think they do, but it is possible. I don't know. But no teacher hates you. I'm going to make that clear. There's a teacher in the room. No teacher hates you. But you, you start to put it into your mind. My, my teacher hates me. My boss hates me. And then you start to compromise. My, my, no matter what, my teacher hates me. My boss hates me. I'm going to cheat on this. I'm going to get some help on this. I'm going to cheat on this test because no matter how hard I study, he or she is still going to fail me. You don't understand. You don't understand my story if I don't make as much money as everybody else. Everybody else is making all this money. Everybody else has all these things, and I'm stuck with nothing. What does it matter if I don't claim those taxes? What does it matter? It's just a small thing. Nobody cares. No one's going to know. The government's rich enough, right? Because this all gave us all this money. Thank you very much. Like... (laughs) They've got all this money. Like, you don't understand. I don't have enough money. What's one little lie going to matter? But my neighbor, oh, my word. I love everybody but my neighbor. I've, I've brought cookies to my neighbor. I've cared for my neighbor. I've done everything to love my neighbor. My neighbor's terrible. My neighbor's mean to me. My neighbor kicks my dog. My neighbor throws garbage in my yard. My neighbor's terrible. I know I'm supposed to love everybody, but I just can't love her. You getting the story? Where do all these things come from? These little compromises over time breaks down your character. And as the compromises over time break down your character, you start to see it becomes who you are. We really believe that small things don't amount to much. 
The truth is, the small things do amount to much. The small things would actually create who you are, create your character. The small things when no one's paying attention is the greatest of all the disciplines because they build you in a way that makes you impenetrable, strong. Like, you don't know if I'm sitting at home eating a bag of chips. Probably now you're going to start texting me and asking, but you don't know, and nobody knows. Even my family doesn't know. I could sneak a bag and start eating. It's just me and myself and my task. Do I compromise or do I stay true to what I am committed to? And so today we're going to pick up a story from Samson. Last week we started in the book of Samson where Samson was born into a story family where he had pretty much everything going for him. His parents started things out. His parents laid out this groundwork for him to be set apart for the work of God. This miracle baby given to someone who wasn't supposed to have children puts himself in compromising and vulnerable circumstances over and over and over again. And in Samson's story, he compromises. So we're going to open up to Judges chapter 14, verses 1 through 20. This is a large passage of Scripture. So I encourage you to grab uh, your Bibles or your Bible apps. Um, for those who may not know, uh, there is a Bible app av- available, both online. Uh, my friend's there. Uh, you can, and here, there's a Bible app for free. If you can have your Bible right on your phone at all times. Easy way to be able to read. Um, and some great ones out there. Judges chapter 14, and we're going to start at verses 1 through 4. I'm going to take 1 through 20 and break it down into three sections. It's going to break down into a wife, a lion, and a riddle. A wife, a lion, and a riddle. Okay? Judges chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. Samson went down to Timnah and saw a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I've seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Can't say that now. His wife and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over Israel. The story begins with Samson breaking a demand to stay separated from everybody else. The the nation of Israel is now ruled by all of Philistine. They're they're in an occupied uh, country, and these are the enemies of Israel. And so Samson goes away from his people, and he sees this girl, and he's like, okay, uh, what's your snap? I got to get that number, right? Like, he sees this girl. She's amazing. Love at first sight. He's walking by, and we don't see much about it, but all we know is that he goes there, and he says, okay, I want to marry her. Now, it's customary within that culture for the parents to go and be a part of the story. So culturally, then the parents would go in, and they would set things up with the other parents. There'd be an exchange of goods, actually, sheep, horses, donkeys, all sorts of things. A dowry is involved. All these things would happen with an exchange, and the families were involved. So he says to his mom and dad, hey, I know I'm really not supposed to do this because we're supposed to be separate, because he knows this, because the nation of Israel is a separate chosen people group of God. I know I'm not supposed to do this, but this girl is hot. I saw her. I want her as my wife. And the parents respond very clearly, "Uh, wait a minute, Samson, pause. You telling me that there's not an acceptable woman among the people here of Israel, of all the women here, You're going to our enemies. 
And when he uses the term uncircumcised Philistine, that was a clear statement of the separateness of both the people of God and the people outside of the chosen people. And so the Philistines being uncircumcised was a statement. They are not the people of God. You are not supposed to marry them. And Samson gets this hedonist. He hears it and he's like, "Uh uh-huh. No, I want to marry. So go get her for me. Then just blew through the stop sign and it, what's confusing about this is, is then the response. So he says, I, I, I don't care. I want to marry her. So go get her. And his, it says this. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines. For at that time, they were ruling over Israel. The Lord was somehow engaged with this. So I took pause reading this to say, wait a minute, God. Are you telling me that you set up this meeting between Samson and this girl, and you're the one making this happen. So therefore, God, you're encouraging disobedience, and therefore, God, you're the one, no matter what, are saying, like, for your purposes, we are going to purposely sin. Interesting concept, but that's not what it says. If you look at the actual words, the Lord is seeking an occasion. He's waiting back. Samson is the one who made the decision to go to Timnah. He shouldn't have been there in the first place. He shouldn't have seen that girl. That girl's hot. He's not supposed to marry her. He says, no, 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 I want to do this. This is mine. This is mine. And God said, okay, we're going to use this to now go after the Philistines. Because in the story of Judges, if you missed that part, there's a a cycle that happens among the people of God and around. God loves all of his people. But God also loves people outside of his people, that people would repent and come to know Yahweh. However, there is a disobedience of Israel. God uses outside groups to discipline the people of Israel. Israel repents and goes back to God. God now uses Israel to discipline the outside groups of people. So now Israel goes and attacks the outside people. They're disciplined. Some of them repent. Some of them say, we're sorry. And this isn't back and forth, back and forth story. In our story right now, as we see it, God is calling a new judge of Israel to go into this land. And now it's the turn for the Philistines to be judged. And so God said, okay, all right, well, this is not going to go the way that you think. See, here Samson's thinking, I'm getting myself this girl. She is gorgeous. She is mine. We're going to have a great family. Nothing's going to go wrong. And God sees an opportunity. Actually, this is our opportunity now to bring judgment on the Philistines. Two very different ideas of what's about to happen in this story. But to understand Samson, I got to go back again if you missed last week. Samson was called a Nazarite. He was called by the people to be set apart from everybody else. And as a Nazarite, it comes from the Hebrew word Nazir. The Hebrew word Nazir means to be consecrated or separated. So the Nazarites were the special group of people who were set apart from the people of Israel who were set apart. And they were set apart once again with a special calling to have a special purpose for God. And the beginning of Samson's story, that's how his whole life begins. He has a special, unique calling on his life that's even different from the others around him. And as a Nazarite, he has a couple of things that he has to do that seems a little bit unruly in our times. First of all, he's not allowed to cut his hair. So you, his hair could not be cut at any time. It's an outward expression of his vow to God to be separate from everybody else. It would be very clear because he had very, very long hair 
he must be a Nazarite. He's not to drink of wine or any fermented drink. So during that time, they had wine, they had fermented drink. He was not allowed to partake of any of those things. He wasn't allowed to go near or touch dead bodies. Dead bodies were forbidden at that time. It made them unclean. It made all of Israel unclean, but for Nazarites, that was forbidden. And he was not to eat of unclean animals. God lays out in Leviticus 11, all these animals he's not to partake of. And so all of these things are this set-apartness vows that they made to God. Now, I wonder how many of you would hold to that today if God asked you to do that. Don't cut your hair. Don't eat certain things. Don't drink wine or fermented drink, which is going to be impossible in Wisconsin slash Milwaukee. Do not eat unclean animals that God lays out for us and to be completely set apart for a calling of God. This is a unique, special thing. This was a sacred thing. This was an honor. This was to be something really cherished and withheld. But you're going to find Samson doesn't really care. Doesn't really care. He just sends a throw everything away because now he's like, he's not even supposed to be marrying outside group. He's already started down the road of compromise because marrying anybody outside of the people of Israel was completely forbidden. So the compromise has begun. Let's continue on. Judges 14, verses 5 through 9. Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. I don't know if you've torn a young goat apart before. <laughs> I'm assuming that this was more strenuous. I... Maybe after my 75 days, I can do it. We'll find out. <laughs> but he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked to the woman, and he liked her. He didn't even talk to her yet. You notice that? He just saw her, and this is the first time he's actually talked to her. Sometime later, when he went back to Mary, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass, and in it he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate it as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some, and they ate it too. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Simple enough. We're on a journey. He moves along. He sees the Philistine woman. He goes and he talks to her, finds out that he really likes this girl. We have a conversation. What's your favorite band? Me too. What's your favorite colors? Oh, boy, we're a match, right? So he finds this girl, and they have some things in common. He likes her. And so he says, I'm going now to marry her. But something happens along the way. He's moving along the way, heading towards there. Near, he's near the vineyards. Notice first that statement of vineyards. He's not to partake of any fermented drink or of wine, but yet he's already compromised and near something he shouldn't be near. Though it's not fermented wine, there's a word picture happening here. There's a reason why the author put this in. He's going near these vineyards, and this, this line comes out, a young line. The power of God comes on him, and he rips this thing apart. Now, we don't know how he ripped it apart. Did he take it from jaw to jaw? Did he start pulling off limbs? I don't know. But Samson has immeasurable strength. And so he rejoins them. He starts going through this, and he sees this. He rips this thing apart. And that while they're traveling together with his parents, he didn't tell his parents what happened. So they're traveling together, but there would be large caravans. There would be large groups of people he could have been sitting in the back. He could have been back you know, in the group a little bit. We don't know. But they're traveling, but he didn't tell his parents what happened. Now, I don't know about you, but if I killed a lion, you would know. 
hashtag lion killer. You would see a picture on my Instagram with my foot on its head, posing like this, you know, like I would like everything, like if I could kill a lion, you would know. But Samson didn't. Why didn't Samson tell his own parents? Why didn't Samson go and tell people? Because he touched a dead body. He wasn't supposed to touch dead bodies. He had taken a vow. He had said, I'm not going to touch anything. This is not part of my story. Like, even in that moment, he didn't tell his parents because he knew he had compromised. Small compromise. He was being attacked. You don't understand. This lion was going to kill me. What am I supposed to do? I don't know. I Maybe karate chop it? Like, knock it out? I don't know. But he had killed this and torn this thing apart, and there's a dead carcass that he is in the midst of, and he didn't tell his parents. He was unclean. He didn't tell his parents. And within the Israel, the nation of Israel, unclean can't touch unclean. So you know he just went along his way and didn't tell anybody. Can you relate? A small compromise that you hide so nobody finds out. Even though you did something wrong, you don't want anybody to know about it, so you don't tell anybody. Hoping nobody finds out and keep it to yourself. It's not a big deal. Just a small thing. Just a small, little, insignificant compromise. Maybe a small, insignificant We'll call it sin. Something that doesn't matter to the average person. It's not a big deal. But now he goes and starts to defile people around his own parents as he goes back. I always wonder this. How did he clean up in time? You know, like you get back, like, unless you're just like, no blood. Like, I don't know. Like, he, he must have somehow covered this thing up. There was something that he was hiding. Because if you were to kill a lion with your bare hands, and you were to rip this thing apart, no matter what, it's going to be a gruesome sight. And I don't mean to get into that to be grotesque, but just think for a second. It's not going to be clean. And yet he comes back and his parents see nothing of the, of the wear on him. Like there's no, there's no evidence of even a tangle with a lion. What's happening? Where are the compromises? So we move on. He's in here. He goes by it sometime later, and he sees this carcass, and it's full of bees, and I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Like, it's a long trip. I'm hungry. Hey, there's the carcass. I remember, hashtag lion killer. All right. Hey, hashtag honey, <laughs> you know, organic, natural honey. So he scoops into this thing, and I think you guys are starting to pick up the picture. He scoops into this thing, and he starts not only taking honey for himself, but honey for his family. He starts putting some into his bag for the journey. At the same time, he's touching now rotting dead corpse. And as he takes this honey and he puts it, I know, tasty, huh? Is this thing pasteurized? Probably not. He's taking this honey. He goes to his parents. He says, hey, guys, I got this sweet, delicious honey. It's so good. You want some? Takes us back to Genesis with Adam and Eve. And Eve says, I've got this apple, this fruit. Do you want some? He takes this defiled thing that should not have been touched. He should not have eaten it. He shouldn't have been around it. He shouldn't have been on the road. He shouldn't have been marrying the woman. But now the compromise is rolling down the hill. Samson is giving up compromise after compromise after compromise. Now he takes this honey. He hands it to his family. His mom's like, oh, this is really good honey. Where'd you get it from? I don't know. The word uttered by every teenager in every home across America. I don't know. Like, was it like in a tree? 
know. Was it in a lion carcass? You know, like, where did you get this honey from? Like, the fact that Samson would take the honey and that he would not only defile himself, but then he would go and defile his family is proving another point. He only cares about himself. His family, as we can at least see in the story, would have been, ah, no, 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 no. We don't want that honey. That's, that, is, that, is, that is forbidden. That was taken from a dead carcass. We may not eat of that. That is unclean. They would be ceremonially and ritually unclean. Now they'd have to go through the whole process of cleaning, but Samson hid it. Samson didn't tell him, and that's why he did not tell them it was from the carcass. He knew compromises were wrong. He knew. He knew what the rules were. He knew what he was supposed to do. He knew what he wasn't supposed to do. But at the same time, compromises hide. Can you relate to that at all? Can you relate to the fact when you're doing something you shouldn't, you hide? That you want to go slink back into the darkness, block people out, and pretend because sin tries to hide. If you have nothing to hide, just come out and say it. Like, where'd you get this honey from? (laughs) Great question, Mom. I was going down the street, and I was super hungry, and I'm like, God, I want some honey. And there was this huge nest, and so I knocked down the nest out of the tree, but this uh, this is okay. We can eat of this. This is, not, uh, this is not bad for us. We can have this. Don't worry. You will be ritually clean. Mm. How often do you hide? How often do you want to slink back into your darkness and say, I hope nobody finds out about this? I hope nobody ever learns what I'm, about to, what I'm doing, what I've said, where I've gone. Let's take, it, let's take it to a personal note. This relates to everybody with relationships and phones. Who's texting you? Nobody. What, what do you mean? No, no, nobody, 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 nobody. It's nobody. Can I see your phone? No, you can't. Well, who are you texting? Nobody. You're texting somebody. Can I please see your phone? No, you can't. It's none of your business. Why are you always over me all the time? Why are you always blah, 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 blah. Is this happening in your relationships, in your homes? If there's nothing to hide, what are you afraid of? Show him the text. It's Bill. He made a really inappropriate joke. I'm sorry. I don't agree. Here you go. And you should write something. Like, be honest. What are we hiding from? What are you hiding from? If you have nothing to hide, why do you hide? Is it perhaps that compromises have started to dig into your life in little bitty ways, and you can feel them, and you keep telling yourself it's no big deal? Do you start to think that the small compromises in your life are not really growing into big compromises in your life, that there's really not that big of a deal, and this isn't going to snowball into something bigger. I do a lot of premarital counseling, and I start every premarital counseling with this. No couple has ever sat across from me when we begin our journey together and said, I cannot wait until the day we get divorced. I can't wait, Jason. Like, I'm really excited. I'm excited for all the pain that's about to come. I'm excited that this person's not going to like me, that we're going to scream at each other. I'm thinking of, like, maybe taking some karate so I know how to do some, like, low blow moves and be able to, like, Cobra Kai him a little bit. Like, I'm excited about the pain, failure, and brokenness that's about to happen. Can you marry me? 
So what happens? For my friends here and both online who've been through divorce, the best word I can say for it is it's hell. It's terrible. It's miserable. It's heartbreaking. It rips families apart. And my friends who've been through it, I'm so unbelievably sorry because I have to also work with through the other side of the brokenness. And that brokenness was little compromises over time that led to this place. When a couple sits before me full of bright eyes and excitement and joy, they sit there with the hope of tomorrow and I say, don't let small cracks enter your relationship. Don't let the small things come in because the small things will get bigger. The bigger they get, they will get larger. The larger they get, they become caverns. And at some point, at some time, everybody has a breaking point to say, I'm done. Small compromises over time lead to brokenness. What if on the flip side, that young couple says, we commit to each other to never allow a small crack. We will be honest. We will be real. We will work together. We will battle through it. We're not going to like each other some days. Everyone married, say amen. <laughs> don't say that. What are you doing, guys? But it's true. Some days you struggle, but you know what? We don't give up. We fight. We battle because the small cracks, I will not compromise. I will not take that text from that girl from my work. I will not answer that email that's inappropriate on my instant messenger on Facebook. I choose holiness. I choose to not compromise. Friends, that's one example in one area, and you know what I'm talking about. Small compromises can break you. So let's move on. Verses 10 through 20. Now his father went down to see the woman. And there Samson held a feast, as was customary for young men. When the people saw him, they chose 30 men to be his companions. Let me tell you a riddle, Samson said to them. If you can give me the answer within the seven days of the feast, I'll give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. If you can't tell me the answer, I'll, you will give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. Tell us your riddle, they said. Let's hear it. He replied, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. For three days, they could not give the answer. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, coax your husband into explaining the riddle for us, or we will burn you and your father's household to death. Did you invite us here to steal our property? Then Samson's wife threw herself on him, sobbing, you hate me. You don't really love me. You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. I haven't even explained it to my father and mother, he replied, so why would I explain it to you? She cried the whole seven days of the feast. So on the seventh day, he finally told her because she continued to press him. She in turn explained the riddle to her people. Before the sunset of the seventh day, the men of the town uh, said to him, what is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Samson said to them, if you had not plowed my heifer, you would not have solved the riddle. Then the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. And he went to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of everything, and gave their clothes to those who he explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he returned to his father's home. And Samson's wife was given to one of his companions who attended him at the feast. So here we start with a customary a celebration. And 30 people were in his bridal party. Dudes, he doesn't even know because he's in a land he isn't supposed to be in. So he has his bridal party, 30 locals. He says this, I've got a riddle you're not going to figure. Bet, let's do this. So he starts this riddle about what he just transpired. Interesting enough, he uses the compromise of sin among the people. The honey he took 
from a dead lion. So he says, all right, you're never going to figure this out. There's no way. And so his wife says, well, they're bugging me. Can you tell me what it is? He's like, no, I'm not telling you. I haven't even told my own family. And for seven days of their wedding feast, she sobs on top of him, knowing that these people are going to murder her and her, her family if they don't figure this out. She doesn't care about Samson. She just cares right now about herself. And so she's like, no, you won't tell me. And, and he won't tell me. No, and just crying and crying and crying. What a great wedding party, you know? <laughs> so this is not going well for Samson. I wonder during those seven days, he's like, oh, I should have done premarital counseling with Jason. Like, <laughs> this is not going well. So after seven days, he's like, okay, fine, fine, fine. It's honey, it's lions. Okay, would you stop crying? Okay. And then they go on their way. She goes and tells her own people. And here's something I want to encourage all of you. They go back and tell them the answer. This is my marital counseling for you tonight. Never respond, no matter how angry you are, to if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. <laughs> That's more than a crack, brothers. That's a whole cavern. You come out with that line, right? <laughs> Do not respond that way. But I, I got a little background on what that means. Uh, Walton and Matthews in the IVB P, uh, Bible background commentary gives a little insight on this. It says this. Samson's friends answer his riddle while at the same time posing their own riddle that gives a clue as how they procured the answer. Honey and lion answers Samson's riddle. But what is it that is sweeter than honey and stronger than a lion? A woman's enticement. Samson demonstrates his skills at riddles by immediately solving theirs, responding with his own wordplay. Plowing with someone's heifer could be close to the expression of walk a mile in my shoes, but also more insidious of the meaning, meddling with my wife. You would have not have gotten this if you hadn't been messing around with my wife. And so with that, Samson is infuriated. So he goes, and he goes to another enemy town, and he slaughters 30 men and takes their clothes and their garments once again, touching 30 dead bodies. He takes them out of his anger. He takes them over and he gives them to them. Here, take this. And you know, John, you can just have my wife. And then he goes back and leaves her there. The story starts with compromise. It ends in disaster. At the end of the story, he still didn't get the wife that he wanted. But in the midst of the story, God still used Samson to create judgment on the Philistines. In the midst of even our knucklehead waywardness, God still is even at work then. Even when you are making huge, monstrous mistakes, God is still at work. God does amazing things in spite of us. But the story of Samson is sad. These compromises have led to this terrible place. Compromises pull us back. But compromises, if we're truthfully being honest, like I said in the beginning, when you want something, you're willing to do what you need to do to get it. When you're hungry, you're willing to eat what you need to eat. When you've got a debt, you're willing to do what you have to do to get that person paid off. When we want something, sometimes we just look and say, you know, is it really that big of a deal? But I'm going to tell you why it's a big deal in Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You 
as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you follow him, are called to be set apart. You are called to be different. You have a different calling. You get to cut your hair. Thumbs up. You get to eat bacon. Thank you, Lord. You get to do things that are different, but you are called to be set apart from the world. You are called to be set apart from the compromises of sin. You are called to not compromise the standard of God because if you do not compromise, you will find joy. When you compromise, I don't care how you're going to try to spin it to me, guys. I've been doing ministry a long time. I've heard a lot of excuses. However you spin it, it's not going to end well. You may get what you want. Not saying you wouldn't be happy. I'm saying it's not going to end well. The ways of God are set apart for a reason. They are good, they are holy, and they are His ways. The ways of humans are messed up, jacked up, and broken. I don't have to say much, but all we'll say is 2020. (laughs) Friends, don't compromise. Don't compromise. If I'm saying in this today's message, you heard one thing, you're thinking, oh my word, there's one thing kind of sticking in my head right now. I'm asking you to be bold enough to call it out and start to spend this week getting it out of your life. If there's a relationship you shouldn't be in, I'm asking you to do what is holy and break that relationship that is not right. If you are cheating, lying, stealing, compromising, I'm asking you to break it. This week, get out of the compromise. If you have given up on someone and you said love doesn't matter anymore, I'm asking you to come back to love because love is never wrong. Love is right because Jesus Christ is love. If you are so broken and tired that I can't go another day, don't compromise and give in to the way of the world. Love when there is no love in return. Give when no one gives back in return because this is the way of God. God gives everything and we have nothing to give back that's worthy of him. That is our God. Samson was given an opportunity to be one of the greatest men of all human times. He could have been a great leader, a great figure in culture, a great figure for us to talk about. He was given an opportunity to win, but at the same time, he threw so much away simply by compromising. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.